0: Let's try that again. Good evening. Good evening. Welcome to Tuesday Evening Chapel. I trust that you had a great reading and research week, right? Lots of reading, a lot of research? Sure. It's our privilege to have our president with us this evening, uh, Dr. Harold Graves. Would you please welcome him and his wife, Cheryl. Thank you for being with us tonight. We've been praying for you, sir, and we're excited that uh, you're here with us this evening. Let us stand together as we worship our God. For he is worthy of our praise. Amen. Amen. Psalms 103. The psalm writer says, Praise the Lord, O my soul. It says, With my whole heart, praise his holy name. And can we just do that this evening? Just praise our God for He is great. He's and worship his holy name. So let us worship him this evening. Thank you. You're all together lovely God to us. You altogether worthy of our praise, and we just worship you. In Jesus' name, Amen. You may be seated.
1: Well, thank you, JC, for leading our worship tonight and bringing us into the presence of God Almighty. There's no better place to be, is there? I would invite you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. I didn't have a chance to put a PowerPoint together on this. This, is, this sermon tonight is hot off of the computer, hot off the press, if you will. Um, and I want to share a few things with you tonight uh, that, that I, I hope will be hopeful and helpful to us all. Ephesians 4, beginning to read with verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Now we see in verse 1 that Paul wrote this He wrote this letter while he was a prisoner, and most scholars agree that it was a time when he was under house arrest in Rome. We also notice that in Ephesians, Paul was not trying to combat error or any false teaching. Rather, he stepped back from the conflict and really contemplated God's overall design for his people, for his church, and for the world and we notice that he urges us to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. It seems that Paul is insisting that there be a balance between what we profess and how we live. Again he reminds us that it is a calling we have received not one we have acquired through self-effort which again corresponds with what he said in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and through 9 when he says for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not from yourselves it is the gift of God then Paul specifies his four graces that evidence this essential proportion between calling and character he says that We need these graces at work in in our life and in the life of the church. Humility, gentleness, patience, and forbearance. As he says in verse 2, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. I believe Paul is saying to us that the absence of these qualities jeopardize Christian unity. And that is why he presses his readers to make every effort, he says, to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Now I like the way he says that. Because you and I know that none of these things are natural. We are not born patient people we are not born humble people if you doubt that work in a daycare sometime there you will see natural man at work and i think what paul is saying is these attributes that he calls us to this this living a life worthy of our calling is only done through the work of the holy spirit in our hearts and in our lives it is a spirit at work in our lives that brings unity and peace to the church. Then I find this really interesting. I, I, maybe you don't, but it, it was really interesting to me when I read this. He launches into this trilogy of thought. Look, how, look what he says. It's, and he says, this is why we should be eager to preserve this unity. He says, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope. But he doesn't stop. He, it, just, it, it almost builds to a crescendo here. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. But he doesn't stop there. There's this third trilogy of thought. There is one God and Father of all who is over all, through all, and in all. Now that sounds pretty complete to me. But that's not what I want to talk about tonight. What I want to talk about is found in verse 7. It seems that Paul moves from this collective, this communal thought of the church, now to a more individual, a more personal interpretation of that. He says, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Within the body of Christ, each member enjoys a share of God's grace. Now, I'm not a Greek scholar. I I can can look Greek words up, and I I, I know how to use the Strong's uh, concordance, and I can look them up. But I have trouble pronouncing the king's English, much less pronouncing Greek. I think the word is charis. And and the word charis or grace that is interpreted here is not equated with charisma or the grace gift. It is equipping rather than a saving grace. This grace that he is talking about is God's pleasure, his delight, his loving kindness, his goodwill, and redemptive mercy toward his children. And we share that. You and I, we share that. To each of us, grace has been given. Now, as most of you know, the past six weeks have been challenging for me physically. In fact, it's it's probably the most challenging period of time in my life, physically. My first trip to the emergency room was on Sunday, August the 26th. During the next six weeks, I had two more emergency room trips, six visits to the doctor, and a surgery. During during this time, I found the grace of God ministering to me in so many different ways. Obviously, Obviously, there are too many to recall in this chapel setting. There were so many text messages and Facebook postings and cards and phone calls. But there are some that I would just like to mention to you tonight that that took significant meaning because they happened at a very significant time in my life during this six-week period one afternoon Cheryl came uh, to me and said honey I I found this taped on the door. It was a it was a picture drawn by the hand of a seven-year-old girl. It was my neighbor girl. Evidently she had found out that I was sick and it was a simple drawing that the drawing wasn't really what got me. I didn't even know the child knew my name. But she wrote to Harold from Emma. And that somehow, some way, God's grace came to me that day in a very special way that a little girl, who barely knew me, cared enough to draw me a get well picture. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Oh, the second week of my sickness, I, I, I started coming back to the office and, and it, was, uh, it was a particularly difficult day for me, physically and emotionally. Um, and as I walked from the administration building with my wife, Professor Warrington was coming from his office. He stopped us. He inquired about my health and how I was feeling. And then he said to me, would it be alright if I prayed for you? And there, together we stood holding hands under the trees by the administration building and I sensed the touch of our loving and gracious God as Professor Warrington brought us before our Heavenly Father. But to each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Unable to do my normal chores around the house, especially in the yard, my neighbor across the street approached me, and he said to me one day, Harold, I, I want to mow your yard. Can I do it tomorrow morning? I said, Ron, you don't, you don't need to do that. He said, yeah, I, I want to do that. And he looked at me, and I'll never go to He said, you'd do that for me, wouldn't you? And I said, well, Ron, sure I would. He Came over the next morning. I stood in my house, and I watched with tears as my, in my eyes. As a kind and considerate neighbor did for me what I could not do for myself. But to each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Now as surgery approached I began to do a lot of reading about the particular surgery I was going to have. It's interesting to me That I was continually drawn to the list of risk. Isn't that how life works? You skim over the benefits and you focus on the risk. And quite frankly, they made me leery. In fact, the morning of the surgery, I recall the last thing I said before the anesthesiologist put me to sleep. So I looked at my surgeon and I said to him, I said, Doc, I only have one question for you. He said, what's that? Do I really need to do this? And he said, no, you really don't. You can live your life the way you've been living the last six weeks and go right on through life. I said, okay, put me asleep. But in the days leading up to the surgery, one Sunday night, I heard a message by a pastor on television. And you have, to, you have to understand that for six weeks, I was unable to be in church. And he said, when fear, frustration, and failure make their way into your head, hit the delete button. the word that He offered that night, and the ensuing illustrations of those who had overcome their doubts with faith, faith ministered grace to me. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. On Sunday before my Tuesday surgery, I was sitting, it was Sunday evening, and I received an email from my prayer partner in Amarillo, Texas. That morning, he had asked his pastor and a visiting district superintendent, who was a good friend of mine, to anoint him on my behalf. They videoed their greetings and that prayer for me and emailed it to me. I can't tell you what that did for my mind, my spirit, and my body. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Truthfully, my surgery could not have come at a more inconvenient time. It was the week of the annual board of trustee meeting. Now, our trustees fly in from coast to coast, border to border. It was impractical, if not impossible, to reschedule that meeting at such a late notice. But our cabinet stepped up, our staff stepped up, and they stood in for me. They gave the annual report. They facilitated the trustee meeting, and they hosted the trustees but to grace, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Six days after the surgery, and and I should have been improving, I had a setback that necessitated another trip to the emergency room. And I must tell you, that night I was at the lowest of the six weeks. I was discouraged, I was defeated, physically, and I really needed to hear a word from the Lord. It was on Sunday, September the 30th, that I got up and, again, was unable to go to church. And I said, God, I need to hear from you today. I need to hear from you. And I was led to a website of a church in Florida. Pastor Brett Rickey had been my pastor while serving as district superintendent in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I knew he was a great preacher. I just wondered, maybe there was a sermon that he had preached that would minister to me. He's now the senior pastor of the Highland Park Church of the Nazarene in Lakeland, Florida. So I went to to his sermon archive page, and I noticed a series entitled Songs in the Key of Life, and I clicked on that. I came to a sermon entitled, Relating to God. It was a sermon on Psalm 103. Now, we know that Psalm 103 is one of the most familiar and beloved of all the psalms. One of the most frequent words used in this psalm, if you read through it, is the word all. It affirms that God, who rules over all and does all good things for all persons in need, is to be praised by all creatures. Another thing, Dr. King, I noticed in a commentary that I was reading on this, is that it's 22 verses, which is the exact number of the Hebrew alphabet. Completeness, all. Well, some scholars believe it was written by someone recovering from a, from a, a real sickness that, that experienced healing. And others say, no, it was just for everybody celebrating the goodness of God. Which one do you think I chose? For me, it became another point of grace, one of hope, one of faith. One God, who is the Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. There's one last person I want to mention. Throughout this time, um, you know when you stand before uh, the altar, when you're getting married and you say for better, for worse? Well, let me tell you, those six weeks, there wasn't much better in it. And it was during that time that my wife gave me the support and strength and the the spirit that I really needed. She's always guarded about what I eat and when I eat for my health. And I'll never forget the day she came home with a big chocolate shake from Chick-fil-A. And that chocolate shake became grace to me. That day. Now, time is getting away from me, and I'm not going to read all of Psalm 103, but allow me to read the first three verses. Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems you, your life from the pit, and crowns you with love and compassion. So, what am I trying to say to you tonight? This is what I've learned over these six weeks. And thankfully, the recovery is taking place. As my doc said last Wednesday, he said, Mr. Grays, you have a lot of healing left to do. But I can tell you, I can tell each and every day that it's getting better. But this is the lesson I want us to take home tonight. There are times in life when grace does not come from the expected places. Don't be discouraged. Disillusioned. Are defeated lift up your head open your eyes and see God's grace come from the unexpected places the little girl next door the professor who prays the neighbor who cares the song that we sing tonight that comes to your heart when you can't sleep, the word from a complete stranger, a prayer partner in another state, colleagues who share your burden, a sermon on the television or internet. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it, amen? let's pray together thank you Father well I wish there was a stronger word for me to say to you tonight but I don't know one but to look at you and say thank you thank you for all of those people who extended your grace to me in those different times that I needed it most. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your healing touch. Thank you for your everlasting, enduring love. And I pray tonight And I think there's others here tonight that are struggling and suffering. Oh God, I pray that your grace will be as sufficient for them in their hour of need as you have been for me in these last six weeks. This I will say to you, Father, from the bottom of my heart. I love you really do love you. And I love your people. And I love your church. This I pray in the name of Jesus, our healer. Amen. God bless you. Go in his peace.